This is the Back Brothers Podcast. Here are your hosts, David and Michael. Greetings, salutations, and all that jazz. Welcome to a very special edition of the uh, Back Brothers Podcast. I really don't know if we can... Can we have a special edition already? Uh, It seems kind of early to have a very special episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's only the second one, so... Maybe that's just why it's special, uh, just because it's one again. Surprise, everyone, no. Uh, from sunny Orlando, Florida, the city beautiful, this is the Pack Brothers Podcast. I'm David Pag, and joining me as always is my identical, identical even, twin brother, Michael. Yes. Hello, all. Thanks for listening. All right. But yeah, as we mentioned, this is a, a very special uh, podcast, and we chose that uh, intro music there, not just because we're... Rolling Stones fans, but uh, why did we choose that music? We chose that music because our president-elect seems to have an affinity for that song. It's something that he was constantly playing at the end of his rallies leading up to the election, and uh, it just seems fitting. I think, you know, the lyrics, especially, you can't always get what you want. It's certainly true for... Uh, at least half of the country, more if you're counting the popular vote. So, yeah, I think it's 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 fitting. Yeah, uh, this episode is brought to you by the Electoral College, um, who has, I guess, seen fit through that mechanism to give us President-elect Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump, I think? Donald, yes, Donald J. Trump. I don't know what oh. the J stands for. But, yeah, that's assuming that the electors... Uh, follow through on the will of the people. If there are faithless electors who refuse to cast a vote, that's something that doesn't really happen in a large amount. But uh, who knows? Okay, well, let me just... I think it would be wise to go ahead and give a disclaimer. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, no, they're going to talk about politics and I don't care about politics, go ahead and just delete it, and I promise next time we'll have something lighthearted and fun, and we'll talk about snacks and people asking us stupid twin questions and stories about people that uh, ask us stuff like that or something fun and lighthearted. Right, absolutely. But we wanted to at least have one episode that addressed the elephant in the room, if you will, and no pun intended necessarily for the grand old party's mascot of the elephant but it just seemed like it would be silly just to go on with the next episode and ignore what's, you know, obviously the big story in the country right now. Uh, so that's why we decided to have this very special episode to discuss our thoughts on it. All right. Well, I guess the first question that I have to ask is just who saw this coming? Who prognosticated this? I think maybe one AI program uh guessed it correctly, but everything I saw, election betting odds and pundits, exit polls, all these things pointed to something very different than what occurred on election day. Yeah, clearly computers are smarter than we are, I guess, in this instance. <laughs> uh, their their algorithms told a truth that did not seem to line up with what I guess you could call conventional wisdom or wishful thinking or maybe... I don't know. Sometimes I think we can place ourselves in a bubble based on the media outlets that we choose to view 
the blogs that we read, the sources that we use to gain, to gain our news, and we can we can place ourselves in this alternate reality that doesn't necessarily give a true reflection of the act, you know the actual full picture of what's going on in in the country with regards to the the voters. Yeah, no, obviously not. But even thinking of some of the sites, certainly you know you have your CNNs, your MSNBCs, and they have certain slants. But even Fox News, which some would consider you know very uh, conservative, sure. um, none of those were really calling it for Trump before the election began. And even at the beginning of the night, as I was watching the returns come in, it was pretty neck and neck for the longest time. But then, you know, when Florida and Ohio and North Carolina started to fall Trump's way, even a lot of the pundits there were just kind of sitting shocked and trying to figure out what was happening. Oh, yeah. Even in the election coverage leading up to, you know, prior to the first states being called for either candidate, nobody was really bullish on Trump except for members of his campaign staff, folks who had been dyed-in-the-wool Trump supporters from day one, your Sean Hannity's, your Ann Coulter's, your uh, different aspects of the... Uh, okay, alt-right or whatever flavor uh, description you want to add to those people. You know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but segmenting different people into little boxes in order to try to um, just uh, cast aside their thoughts or their views as outside of the mainstream is a something that's very tempting, but not necessarily something that's a good idea. And I think that's something. That's that's one reason everybody was surprised. It's because uh, some views are just seen as illegitimate. And well, of course, the, these weirdos, wackos think this way, but the majority of the country doesn't think that way, right? Yeah, but apparently uh, they do in this instance. And now, I was wondering though, would we be in this position if Bernie Sanders? had been the Democratic nominee. Now, you could argue that Clinton rigged the election so that she was the nominee. If you look at some of the WikiLeaks information, some of the questions she got in advance, we see collusion between her candidacy and a couple uh, super PACs, and we see a lot of dirty dealings, I guess, going on against uh, Senator Sanders, so that so that's one of the questions I had. Would we be here today, or would we be saying President-elect Sanders if it was Sanders versus Trump? And that's a good question, and I am really skeptical as to whether or not Trump would have been able to defeat a candidate Sanders because just looking at the emotion, the devotion that his followers, his supporters had leading up into the actual nomination, even into the Democratic National Convention, where they actually pledged their votes and elected uh, Hillary as their candidate. There was a lot of angst among the uh, Bernie Sanders supporters, and certainly the same was true in the Republican side for supporters of Ted Cruz, but there was a lot of emotion and energy 
on the part of the Bernie Sanders supporters, these young voters who really had a, um, you know, I think in a, they could identify with Bernie Sanders' message more clearly than they could with Hillary Clinton, who for all of her uh, bona fides and uh, qualifications as a political candidate is more obviously an establishment individual than what you would consider Bernie Sanders, although he's served much of his life in the public uh, sector. He has, and who knew, who knows really if the country would have been ready for someone so, I mean, he was very far left. I think a socialist would be pretty close to what he was, and I don't think he denied it in some aspects. Yeah, I think he even used the term democratic socialist. And, but on the other side of the equation, would we be in this position if any other Republican was the nominee, if it was Cruz versus Clinton, if it was uh, Marco Rubio versus Clinton, if it was Ben Carson versus Clinton, would we be seeing the Republican elected or would we be seeing President-elect Clinton? Is Trump the only one who could have beaten Hillary Clinton or was she just such a flawed candidate with all these WikiLeaks things that came out uh, that basically... It was an indictment against corruption. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe there was just too much concern or doubt that was placed in the hearts and minds of the American voter that there was just a credibility gap or a lack of trust uh, for Hillary Clinton to be able to serve effectively based on the scandals that were swarming around her really throughout her candidacy. And uh, maybe it's just something that you know, she couldn't overcome. Uh, I remember there was a lot of skepticism that uh, why would anybody choose Trump as the nominee? He's a very flawed candidate. He, you know, is a vulgar man. He, he's got many flaws. And I remember myself thinking, oh, you know, why couldn't we have, as the Republicans, and I'm a Republican, um, so I, you know, I admit my bias there, but I, I think that I was thinking, oh, man, if, if the Republicans had nominated Marco Rubio, or Ted Cruz, uh, certainly they were, you know, the Democratic Party would have attacked them, just like the Republicans attacked the Democratic candidate. But they would have perhaps been able to reach across the aisle a little better than what some are thinking that Trump will do or not do. And uh, there might have been a more of a an affinity from uh, voters in the minority populations, the Latino voters specifically, for a candidate like Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz, that it would be different than what you see from their the, the, the Latino population's response to Donald Trump, especially with some of his policies to you know, do mass deportations and build a wall and make Mexico pay for it and things of that nature. Yeah, and I think one of the pivotal things of this election has to be all of these WikiLeaks um, documents, leaked emails that came out. These thousands and thousands of emails from John Podesta's account, this phishing attempt that came in, and some hackers were able to get access to it. And a lot of the information there kind of just laid bare how Clinton's... Uh, operations worked and some of the corruption behind it. Now, you could argue that there could have been corruption in other ones too, but I think what was striking was the almost blackout or ignoring of a lot of the media against this um, very significant picture 
of how her campaign was run. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think certainly, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of WikiLeaks. I think it is a, a dangerous uh, apparatus because that is power that can be abused. Uh, you know, this time, okay, it was Hillary's candidacy that was somewhat of the target of a lot of the leaks. Now, some could say, well, they wouldn't have anything to leak if she had followed proper standard procedures when uh, using her mail uh, as, uh, her email as Secretary of State, and uh, with some of the collusion that was uncovered with her candidacy and the super PACs, uh, no one, you know, forced her to do those things, but uh, at the same time, WikiLeaks has this kind of air of suspicion around it, a lot of fingers pointing to, you know, Russian hackers, whether that's true or not. There are different reports that say, it, you know, Russia had nothing to do with this. There's some say Russia was behind it with their uh, hacking, their, their cyber uh, attacks as being uh, designed to influence the election. And I don't like to think that's the case, but one could certainly make the argument, and it's worth listening to that and trying to reason out what, what is the truth behind that. But who's to say what the future holds with regards to WikiLeaks for influencing future elections or policies or, or any number of things? Yeah, and one of the questions also is just what's next for Hillary now? What is she going to do after this? I mean, is she going to jail? Is, are there going to be charges brought up against her? I think that's one of the things that's going to have to happen is that the Clinton Foundation, that uh, the charity that she is part of, is still under investigation. And unless there's some sort of really wave to just sort of let bygones be bygones, I think a lot of people still say, well, hey, what about this? What's going to happen? Well, I've seen any number of different arguments on that, and it is a good question. I think uh, prior to the election, there were some high-ranking Republican officials saying that they were going to continue to perform these investigations, and I think with an eye on somewhat delegitimizing Hillary Clinton as president-elect, when the general consensus and conventional wisdom was pointing that direction, that she was going to be elected the next president of the United States. And uh, now that that is not the case, and it's president-elect Donald Trump, will this focus on Hillary uh, with regards to the crimes she may or may not have committed for the Clinton Foundation or for her use of email or misuse of email if those things start to get fallen aside, um, you know, you could look at that as either it was rather hypocritical and uh, reactionary and just done for political gain for the Republicans to have done that. If they continue to pursue that, then you could say, you know, either they really have a desire to see justice done and to find out the answers to these issues, or they just have this uh, real strong bias against Hillary and they refuse to let it go, they're going to kick her while she's down, so to speak, and they're just going to get to the bottom of this. So yeah, I could see the argument being made either way. Yeah, but now, no matter what, whether they do that or not, we're still in the reality that we have President-elect Donald Trump, which is pretty <laughs> amazing in a lot of ways because... I don't think anyone, I certainly didn't give him a chance of winning. And this is a person I saw, I mean, I watched The Apprentice, and so that's pretty much what I knew him from. Just 
a reality TV show, and sure, he's involved with like wrestling, and he's involved with these other ventures, and but I never saw him as my president, but he is my president now, so you know, and now I guess he's going to keep his promises. He's going to build a wall, and Mexico's going to pay for it, and uh, all these things. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see to what extent he's going to try to keep some of the promises that he made during his campaign and what in actual reality he's going to be able to accomplish. Uh, certainly, he's got a mandate from the people with regards to the size of his uh, victory with the at least Electoral College. And in addition, the Republicans are controlling the House and the Senate. So that's going to have a major impact with regards to his ability to accomplish the goals that he laid out during his uh, candidacy. Now, whether or not, you know, he actually goes through with it and, uh, you know, what his priorities will be, whether it's to repeal and replace Obamacare, to rebuild the inner cities, to take care of the veterans, uh, to bring back jobs, uh, renegotiate our trade deals with foreign nations, uh, you know, what's going to happen to the Iran deal. I know a lot of people are concerned about climate change and immigration and a number of uh, different aspects that made up his, his message, his platform. Yeah, and I tell you what, if you look through Facebook today and Twitter, starting last night and into today, most of today, I've checked it off and on. I was, and we were traveling a lot today, but I mean, you would have thought the sky was falling, that the world was ending. You know, it seems as if, and I know people who supported Bush, uh, not Bush, Trump and us, you know, people who supported Clinton and even Sanders and, uh, you know, other candidates. But it seems like I see supporters of Trump who are trying to be respectful and calling for unity. And I see some who are gloating and you're saying, all right, people who are in other country, you know, you're going to move to another country now. Celebrities, great. Bye. Pack your bags. Ha ha. But then I also see supporters of Clinton who wanted Clinton to win and claiming that every Trump supporter is racist, sexist, xenophobes. And, you know, if you look at the votes, you've got 60 million plus people who voted for Trump. And you, that's a really broad brush that you're painting people with, especially if you look at some of the statistics that he got more African-American votes, more Hispanic votes, and more women votes than Romney did four years ago. Oh, absolutely. So it's, you know, it's not helpful. It's a little counterproductive to start calling names on either side, especially when you have our current president, Obama, you have the new president-elect, Donald Trump, and you have the Democratic candidate, Hillary Clinton, all calling for unity and that you know, Donald Trump is the president-elect, and he's going to be our president, and we need to give him a chance and an open mind and work together because we, we, we all want the same thing. The same goals are shared by both political parties. You don't see a lot of bipartisanship, but, for you know, there's just take climate change for an example. I don't think that Donald Trump has as a goal in his platform to destroy the climate 
or somehow negatively impact it. I don't think he's Marvin the Martian that's going to come up with this Pew 36 space modulator. I'm going to blow up the Earth. I don't think that's really what he's going to do. <laughs> I mean, with all this concern about, you know, oh, he's got the nuclear codes in the football. He said a lot of stupid things when it came to, you know, why don't we use nuclear weapons? Really silly stuff. But I think he just, uh, some of those things he says, I don't really know that he knows that he's saying it, or maybe he doesn't mean it. Now, maybe I'm giving him a pass because, again, I'm a Republican and I have a, a bias there that I admit. But I don't think that necessarily, you know, when he says those things, he has the intent behind it that is read into it by those who are not for Trump. Right, and he is portrayed as, you know, a, a bigot and a racist. And I think a lot of that comes from his call to build a wall and to... Uh, make Mexico pay for it, and also to stop uh, radical Islam. And certainly saying that that judge could not prosecute the case against him because he, he's Mexican, quote-unquote, although he was born in America. Yeah, that's you know, another example. But then you've got people on the left, like uh, Van Jones on CNN, who said that this uh, referendum, that this uh, election of uh, Trump was a white lash, which I've never heard of that term before. I think, I guess, you know, there's a backlash, but that would be a black lash if there was something like that. So I guess a white lash, he says it's people who didn't like Obama, which I think is kind of weird because a lot of white people voted for Obama last time I checked. Right, and he was not just elected, he was re-elected. So he's actually served an eight-year term. And it, it's it's not helpful to start uh, saying things like that, but, you know. Not he has any, he hadn't even won. I don't think at that point it just looked like he was going to win when Van Jones made those statements. And I think that was an abuse of his uh, station as a media representative. He, he was uh, he did himself a disservice. I think a lot of blame maybe can also go to the the media, and to some of the other uh, pundits who were against Trump because I think they've cried wolf just one time too many. I know when McCain was running, they said, oh, he is a racist and he's supported by racists. And then Romney, four years later, and they say, Romney's a racist and he's supported by racists. And now Trump is here. And they say, He's a racist, and he's supported by racists. He's endorsed by the KKK. And maybe you can argue, wow, maybe they have a point if you look at some of this stuff, and I don't know that they really do. But even if they did have a point, who's going to listen anymore? They're going to say, oh, you say that every four years. You said bad things about uh, Reagan when he was uh, being elected. Right. It, it's, it's a foolish point to say that Every Republican presidential candidate since Reagan or maybe before is racist. Certainly, if you look at the history of the Republican Party, there was one party that was on the side of the Emancipation Proclamation and civil rights, and it wasn't the party that you necessarily think it was. So a little bit of history lesson there. Google it. Uh, you might learn something. But there's a lot of anger about uh, you know, the, the results of the election. And 
interestingly enough, looking back at 2012, there was somebody angrily tweeting about Obama's reelection, and it was none other than President-elect Trump. He said, among other things, we can't let this happen. We should march on Washington and stop this travesty. We are not a democracy. The, this election is a total sham. Uh, the Electoral College is a disaster for democracy. So, you know, he's talking out of both sides of his face uh, now. Uh, I mean, certainly things have changed uh, in his position. Maybe he's had some type of conversion. He's matured. He's waited pretty late in life to mature, if that's the case, even to the point that he's gotten onto some Twitter uh, discussions and wars, uh, even during his candidacy. So those who claim that there is an issue with Trump's uh, temperament, they have, some, they have a, some good points that they can make with regards to the veracity of that argument. Yeah, and, you know, people may be listening to this and say, boy, man, your guys are really down on Trump. Uh, and, I mean, I think in some ways I am. I, don't, I certainly think he's a very flawed candidate. I think there are a lot better choices out there among uh, the Republicans for sure. And, but we have to kind of take a step back. And we understand the pain and frustration that people feel, uh, you know, when their candidate they're backing doesn't win. But at the end of the day, we have to be adults about this. You know, we didn't elect a king. We elected a president. He's not going to be there forever. And there are going to be people surrounding him, um, encouraged by the vice president, uh, Mike Pence. I think he will help uh, sort of tame him, if, for lack of a better term. And it depends on the people that he puts, surrounds himself with. Uh, I mean, he claims to be smarter than you know, just about everybody. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to surround himself with people who are going to be crucial in helping him moderate. And, I mean, at the end of the day, he is a New York Democrat in Republican clothing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of his policies that he lined out in his platform were not traditional conservative platforms. And I wouldn't say necessarily that a conservative was elected. I would say more of a populist was elected in kind of this same mindset that we see for Brexit which I think is a goofy word, but I guess that's the term that's being used. Um, so so it's, it's something that uh, if you look at the, the platform that the Republican Party put out and how it lines up with the platform that Trump laid out in his candidacy and how the Republican leadership in the RNC and in the House and the Senate to a certain extent ran from Trump and now are going to have to run back and say we, we have to work together. Uh, it's interesting to see, you know, that he doesn't necessarily line up as a traditional conservative. So I don't know what we're going to get from this new president-elect, but we will, uh, we will find out, certainly. Now, uh, will he make America great again? That's the question. <laughs> right. Yes. What's going to happen to all those hats and everything else? Well, was America not great before? Will we get tired of winning like you promised? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Is, it, is everything going to be big league and huge and uh, things of that nature? Believe, believe me. Yes. Believe me. That he wants us to believe him. He's, he's very clear on that point, if nothing else. Okay, well, uh, this has been fun, I guess.
fun enough anyway. Uh, but thanks for listening. Uh, like us on Facebook, Pack Bros Podcast, P-A-C-K-B-R-O-S Podcast, uh, Twitter, at Pack Bros Podcast, and you can go to uh, www.packbrospodcast.com and who knows, maybe there'll actually be something there someday besides a, this page is parked by GoDaddy. Right. That's something that we're, we're going to work on, but baby steps, one thing at a time. You know, we're trying to do as much content. We're doing special episodes already. You're welcome, unless you don't like politics, in which case I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best. All right. And uh, thank you, uh, Michael. And uh, thank me for doing this, <laughs> I guess. No, thank you. No, thank you. So polite. Yes. All so. right. Uh, All right. How about some collecti- collapsible heart factory? Heart, collapsible Hearts Club. Actually. Collapsible Hearts yeah. Club. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Th- 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 I think this song applies if you're optimistic about what a president-elect Trump administration will do, or if you're afraid that he, Trump is going to be responsible for the death of your close friends and it's going to take half of your stuff. I think it applies either way. So All enjoy right. and thanks for listening. Yes.